0: Today's podcast episode is a very special one that I feel will not only uplift and inspire you, but really show you how to move beyond difficult challenges and difficult moments in your life so that you can still live with purpose and fulfillment and find your zest for life and joy. Today Jennifer Peterson, my good friend from Minnesota in America, joins me to talk to you about her story and her work. Jennifer had a skiing accident when she was 17 and became a quadriplegic and effectively paralyzed from the chest downwards. But that has not stopped Jennifer creating a life of amazing things, but not without its challenges, of course. And today she shares with us her story about how she has brought herself through those difficult times to go on to complete a master's degree in leadership, work as an executive leadership coach, emotional intelligence specialist, resilience practitioner and become the world record holder in archery as well as many other amazing things. So I really hope that you enjoy this as much as I enjoy talking to Jennifer. This is the It's Time For Me podcast. So welcome, Jennifer. Thanks so much for joining me today. And I'm really, really excited to give you the space to be able to share your story um, with anyone that is going to be listening to this podcast and also for you to share how your story has brought you towards your work and also how it has brought you to a place of being able to create and keep moving forward in your life in very positive ways, but also very authentic ways. So thank you for joining.
1: Thanks, Kayleigh.
0: So to get started, we might just go right back to the start. Maybe if you didn't mind sharing, we could bring you back to the time of your accident. You might share with us what age you were and where you were in your life at that time. And also how that then led to your disability.
1: Sure. So I'm, what am I now, 57, Um, 58, goodness, you know, time (laughs) time flies. So um, actually I was a a senior in high school and I was 17 and it was a very physically active person, so love to ride horses, go bike riding, downhill skiing, water skiing, all of that kind of stuff, very active young person, and um, I was on a church ski trip, it was part of our senior year um, festivities for the, for the church, for the seniors, and uh, taking one run, going down the hill, I caught my ski tips and fell forward, and landed on the back of my neck. Wow. And unbeknownst to me, I broke at the C six seven level, and so because of that, I'm a quadriplegic. And quadriplegic basically means that four limbs are affected. So I have use of my wrists, my biceps, and and shoulders, and and above that, and from the chest down, I'm paralyzed. So I don't have use of my fingers, but I have a splint that I use that I can pinch things and write things and. Um, which is important to me because I'm also an artist so I like to paint and you know do that that kind of stuff so my splint helps me do that in a lot of ways. So as a 17 year old, you know, it was obviously a very dramatic change for life and so many questions, not a lot of answers and I think that the biggest thing that got me through that beginning phase coming through that which I would say was very traumatic, you know, was my family and friends. My mom was definitely, you know, maybe an overactive mama bear. And, (laughs) you know, she wasn't, she made sure that whatever we needed, whatever we needed to do, um, that we were, you know, going to go forward, going to move into that direction. Mm -hmm. And so I think for the first three years, I would say I was in survival mode, yeah, putting the pieces of my life back together. So relearning how to drive with just my arms and hands, um, relearning how to, I mean, everything from cooking, cleaning, getting dressed, how I want to work with a personal care attendant. You know, so I really realized early that, For me to physically do, like get dressed in the morning, I can have a whole like mechanical system in my bedroom that would help me, you know, roll over and, you know, um, and I would be physically exhausted by the time I even just got dressed and got up. So found out, you know, figured out early that I need support from other people. So personal care attendants and somebody to really help me do the physical things that I'm not able to do so that I can get up and get on with my day and, and do the things that I really want to do. So, um, and have had, you know, many, many individuals over the years and, um, some great, some not so great, Mm -hmm. um, learning to be a leader, you know, helping people said, like, can we show up on time? Can we, (laughs) you know, and so and it's a very intimate thing where, you know, they're they're coming into my home, they're physically caring for me in very intimate ways, and so there's a lot of trust that needs to be there. So I learned early on to, you know, and I think in my early days it was way, probably way more manipulative, and I mean, I was seventeen, you know, nobody taught me how to be a leader, um, mm-hmm. so. You know, it's interesting now, looking back on it. Now that I do coaching for leaders as a part of my work, um, I can really see how I did that well and how I didn't do it so well. Um, and by the, you know, grace of God, we go. Um, but I think the the interesting thing is that you know, there's there's been moments of the dark night of the soul of the why me because that's human that's normal yeah and there's a stronger desire to live life Mm -hmm. and so I can really say that my life is great Mm -hmm. you know and we have worked hard for it it to be that way and so I think that's partly why I like to coach people because it. Helping empower people to find their own way to their own happiness.
0: You and know, in I know. those moments, if you can reflect back or remember back to the time where you were having those dark nights of the soul, and then combined with that want to live and want to get out, where do you think that strength came from? I know you mentioned you had a good support network with family and friends and a really good mom as well, but what inner resources were you pulling on to keep you there? Because obviously I I can only imagine, you know, that the why me questions would be quite prominent. Do you feel that you naturally were somebody who had that kind of go-getter attitude to want to have this zest for life and to follow it naturally? Or is it something that came from this circumstance and the accident that you had?
1: Sure. I, I think there's a little bit of both. I think that, I definitely genetically am a glass half full person mm-hmm. um, and what my disability and the dark night of the soul has really got me in touch with, you know, the difficult half looking at things not half full yeah. um, and realizing that life is hard. There is suffering, mm-hmm. you know, and just watch the evening news. Um, and within that suffering there, there is, there can be a vitality, there can be a a longing, a desire, a, um, it's like the human spirit. So I do think that there's part of me that was genetically. Um, soul, my soul's purpose, you know, yeah. really, you know, potentially contracted for this and, okay. you know, just go around Um, and, you know, to the, the learning that, that I've gained and the opportunities for growth have mm-hmm. been tremendous. And yeah. I don't think as an able-bodied person that I would have gotten to the same place certainly not as quickly.
0: Yeah, it's very young age to have such a trauma. And like you say, what am I going to do next? Am I going to stay in this place that's feeling dark, which of course, you would have been well within your rights to do that and feel like that and, and stay there potentially, you know, many people do, but you chose something different for yourself. And I think you mentioned there, which is such an interesting part of like you feel it was like your soul's purpose to have this um experience, and I suppose looking back over these last forty or forty one years, you can probably feel that more through where it's led you um but do you remember at that time or over the after uh, the years after you mentioned kind of the first three years where you were relearning everything, did you feel that soul energy that soul purpose did you did you feel on some level? an understanding without maybe fully getting it in, in those younger years that, that this was potentially what my path is supposed to be and where it's going to bring me.
1: Yeah. So, as, so my, there's lots of answers going on in my head <laughs> here. So um, one of the things that became really clear to me after my accident and early on was um, I, before my accident, I didn't really understand how hard life could be I didn't understand for example suicide why somebody would want to end their life after my accident I was like oh oh shit now I get it (laughs) you know this is hard and you know there are dark moments when it's like it would be easier not to be here because this is hard and there still was an inkling of okay it's hard go to bed get up the next morning try again. And so there there were those dark moments. And I think one of the huge turning points for me was when I, three years after my accident, um, I got my first service dog. Mm -hmm. And being an, an intuitive, being an empath, having an animal that and he was a golden retriever, <laughs> a big golden retriever. And he was such a people person. He needed to go outside, so I couldn't just be in my apartment anymore. I had to go out at least four times a day. You know, people would be so happy to see him. And, you know, he was one of the first service dogs in the state of Minnesota, in
0: wow. the United
1: States. So it was a very much a novelty when we went out. And when when we did go out, people would see the dog and not see my wheelchair so much. And so over time, I stopped seeing myself as disabled, as different, as, you know, all the labels that kind of are so heavy. Yeah. Because he didn't see my chair. Mm-hmm. He He picked up things I dropped because he knew I couldn't do it. He never saw me pick things up off the floor, you know? So he's like, oh, you dropped it? Here you go. And he was always happy, (laughs) you know, (laughs) unlike my PCAs. He was always happy to help me, you know? And that emotional support to hug and to just always be there. Um, And I I say that he really saved my life in small ways every day because he made me get out. He made me move. He made me you know, interact with other people. And he was that protection.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. And I know Jennifer has many animals. And when we do our calls together, we definitely get, I get to see all her beautiful golden retrievers, your retired service dogs that are still with you. And your connection with them is on a very deep soul level. You know, you obviously have this very natural ability to connect with animals and to allow them to connect with you, which again, as you say, has come from, accident or getting to see that part of yourself probably more so through your accident I'm sure it was always there and yeah, you touched yeah. there on those darker times around understanding why some people do not want to be here in those moments and I know a friend of mine was talking to me recently about that understanding as well of something that they were going through and not that they wanted to take that path but they could really really get it and I think in those moments where people are in those dark places for whatever reasons or things that are going on for them. Um, it, it, it is that, that that difference between being able to say, let me go to bed and, and try again tomorrow um, versus obviously the alternative of that. And do you feel that taking those steps to just say, let's go to bed and try again tomorrow and then having your connection with your animals and, and kind of coming out of yourself, I suppose, a little bit more was what helped you out of those times. And my second part of the question, sorry to make this long, is like when you mentioned about your soul's path and your soul's purpose, do you believe we have choice around these decisions that we make every day? Because I think I think a lot of times we think there isn't a lot of choice. And when life is very difficult and circumstances feel so overwhelming for people, um, they feel like there's no way out of that you know, could you touch on that a little bit just around the choice? Sure, sure, of it? Well,
1: and and so I'm a believer that yes, you always have a choice. You can, we can feel really stuck. Yeah. And it, we, there's always choice. There's always a small, one small thing you can do today to keep kind of moving forward. And I think in, in response to what you're saying, what I really learned is that it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. That, that to give myself grace, to give myself self-kindness, um, being an empath, I, I was very an emotional person and Mm -hmm. I didn't figure out emotions until I was in my forties. And and that was, you know, by going to school, by learning to be a coach, by, um, actually studying about humans and like learning that emotions are fucking cool. They're here to help us. You know, we don't like to feel some of them, but their wisdom is helpful. You know, if I'm, if I'm fearful, I need safety. If I'm angry, there's a boundary that's been crossed. You know, if I'm feeling anxious, I need clarity. So that whole piece, um, really helped me discover like it's okay to not be okay. And to, to be in that place and to be able to say that mm-hmm. to people. Yeah. Um and support around me to into and, and for myself that you know, that's authentic. It doesn't mean I'm gonna go drive off a bridge. It's just yeah. mean I'm having a bad day. Yeah. yeah. That's okay. That's normal. That's human. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we talk about you know, happiness and blah blah blah. Happiness is hard work. Yeah. It doesn't just happen. -hmm. And that's the choice. And that's really the work that I've done around the emotional literacy, around, for example, working with joy. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a whole story to share about that, but, but, you know, it's an emotion that can change everything. Yeah. Because joy is not in happiness, they're not meant to be with us 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. They come and go. If we don't know, the darkness of the soul. If we don't know the hard times, we're not gonna know the really up times. Yeah. So the deeper we can go into all of it, we have a bigger continuum, you know. So I I can be with people that have gone through or experiencing hard things because I've also been there myself. The experiences are different, but the emotion and the humanness is the same. And that's how we develop heart. That's how we develop, you know, unfortunately for humans, we learn the most from the hard things.
0: Yeah. And I think you bring up a really good point there where you're saying our circumstances are different, but our emotions are the same. Because a lot of times people will tell themselves that they're being stupid for how they feel or somebody else has it worse than them and they should be grateful. You know, this thing I've heard a lot with clients over the years. I'm, you know, they might be really upset about one area of their life not working and never kind of going in the direction that it and it needs to go in, not even if they wanted to, it, it it's it's going to be healthy for them to go in that direction. But they tell me all the reasons that it's OK, that it's not happening um, because they're offering gratitude everywhere else or trying to be happy. And I think yeah. more people. It. It yeah, trying to be happy with it. Exactly. like, And, it I think, and that's it. I think you know we touched on this a little bit before the call where like we're all seeking out this like happy ever after ending and this is really one of the reasons apart from the fact I think you are so inspirational and when we have our sessions together I just love you know how when you share this type of wisdom in our general conversations when we're talking nonsense and and everything like you know that what that how that wisdom comes through but that people need to know that just because their circumstances aren't as bad as somebody else or their five other things in their life are wonderful is not going to replace that deeper emotion of um, anxiety, sadness, hurt, pain, trauma that they're not actually giving themselves the space to deal with. And I definitely think, you know, when you talk to me a lot about this. We originally started out as accountability partners to keep each other accountable. But there is a difference, I think, between personal accountability, which is what you're saying. Let me make the choices. Let me go forward. Versus then just stopping and saying, this is not going well. I'm feeling very deep emotions. So how do you think people can balance that to give themselves the space to be able to allow that no matter what the circumstances is, the emotion is created within them and it is making them feel these deeper, darker feelings. And then they want to get up and get on. And some people get up and get on all the time. Um, and they never kind of get anywhere, but they just are moving forward to try, as we just said, there to be happy.
1: This is, you know, the dark night of the soul shows us mm-hmm. ourselves. Know, we, we, there is a deep knowing if we slow down enough to listen. You know, and and I think this is where um, the universe can help us out sometimes because I I coach with people that they lose a job. They mm-hmm. get downsized or or laid off or, or get fired, and it's devastating. And then to come to find out, they didn't like the job anyway. They hated it. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, well, the universe was just doing you a favor of that. Mm-hmm. That's something that you weren't going to do for yourself. So the universe was like kicking your butt out the door so that you go on and live your true authentic life. Yes. So I'm going to take this full circle to... Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that was deep in me um, as a child that was born with this is a love for horses. Mm-hmm. And after I got hurt, I, I put that away. I'm like, there's, I can't, I can't be with horses ever again. Cause now I'm in a wheelchair. I'm short, I'm slow. And horses are big and fast. And so I created my own limiting belief. So I went and was with dogs And then, probably about twenty years ago, I started meeting these women that had horses, and and it cracked my. I I would go to workshops, and I they helped me to be next to these brilliant animals, and my insides would just crack wide open, and I would be sobbing with these horses, and like, holy Mm -hmm. shit, what is happening? And the authenticity of I want to be with horses because. It's just what I want. Yeah. And so to give yourself permission to want what you want just because you want it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so there was a woman that said, you know, people with disabilities can drive horses and do carriage driving. And I'm like you are so full of shit, you don't even know what being a quad is like and all my defenses went up. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, I, like in the wee hours in the morning, you know, you're like, Well maybe she's maybe she's, she's a smart woman. <laughs> You know, maybe she knows something I don't know. So scouring the internet and looking, you know, if it's if it's anywhere, it's got to be out there, photos, whatever. And I did find really nothing in the United States. There was a sport horse program in Scotland that showed people in wheelchairs, in a carriage, driving a horse. I'm like, so it's possible. Right. And then I got the courage up to say to my husband, you know, I think I want to drive a horse. And he's like, okay, what, how do we do that? I'm like, I don't, I thought he was be would be like, you are crazy. There's no way that that's good. And just having that, being that vulnerable and saying my true, honest thing that I really, oh, huh, you know, this is, I don't know why, but I, I got to do it and jump forward. Then um, I started with a miniature horse, got a cart that was made specifically for me and her and learned how she built my confidence. And so now I have a horse, a Morgan horse, that's, you know, a regular size horse um, and a carriage that we've been, I've had her now for seven years and her name happens to be Joy. (laughs) So she started me on this whole joy journey of realizing that, yeah, my life was good but because I wasn't being authentic with what I was in the core of my being. Yeah. And as soon as I opened to that, my life changed. Wow. Yeah. And so being able to, to be with her, to be able to drive her every time I do it, I'm like, I thought this was impossible. Yeah. I literally am doing something I thought was impossible. Right. And Then it became this metaphor, like, let's go for a joy ride. Let's, you know, then then it started to seep into my life in coaching and finding out that joy is the vitality. It's the zest of Mm life. And again, not supposed to be here all the time. She comes and goes. She comes in, you know, look out the window in the middle of winter. And in, in Minnesota, usually it's white. We, you know, usually get a lot of snow. And to see a beautiful red cardinal and to be able to pause and be like, Oh, look at that. Mm -hmm. Even if I'm having a shit day. Yeah. Yeah. So part of this is being able to recognize and give myself permission. It's like, I want what I want just because I want it. Recognize the emotions that are driving that. Recognize um, the support I need to be able to do these things Mm -hmm. and being able to ask for that. Um, and, you know, my husband and I joke now that I'm the will and he's the way. And I come up yeah. with crazy ideas and then he <laughs> helps me to do it. And and sometimes he's like, oh, my God, here we go again. And you and, and I'm like, yeah, but your life would be so boring
0: without me. Yeah. <laughs> and it would. <worked. laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And two things that you said there, which I thought were really interesting is it's like your spirit and that joy and that zest for life transcend- transcends any physical limitation that you have and when you're talking there about that and talking about the joy and I know we've spoken about this and we talk about your horse joy like a lot and your animals because they are these connections as well to this really gentle spirit that joy really is and like you said is there sometimes and not there other times but when something transcend transcends you from the physical and it's like what your soul is and you are allowing that piece of you to come forward That then gives you the ability, like you say, to envision something bigger and better for yourself. But also then you touched on the authentic piece, because that's then when you actually see who you really are. And just from what you were saying, it seems like authenticity and real honesty with yourself, which comes in the dark moments and the joyful moments, I think from what you said, is really interesting. But also the support and being around the right people who see you just share there with your husband, you're the wheel, he's the way. Um, and I think something that happens for people is when we are in circumstances or environments that can be negative and sometimes we don't have choice around that, you know, um, we, we have to have that, that spirit energy and that connection with people. Do you think it's very important for you in your life, you know, to be around people for the most part, because you're not going to have everybody be the same way. But like, do you gravitate more towards people who do see the way and do share in your visions around things? And how important do you think that is for people?
1: Well, I I do think that is really important. And I think that a couple of things are showing up. Number one, you know, for example, if we have family members that continuously bring us down, but we love them, Mm -hmm. you know, we need to set healthy boundaries. So mm-hmm. maybe some doses, or maybe we don't share those things with the, that person. Um, yeah. because I think there's, there is, there is something sacred about your inner dreams, your inner oh. desires, your inner wants, and to find people that can help support you, that can mm-hmm. say, I don't know how you're going to do it, but that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. You know, that's a much better response than, Oh, what the fuck are you thinking? There's no way you can do that. Mm -hmm. I mean that that instantly shuts us down because then we start to believe. Like, I mean, if 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 my husband was said, yeah, there's no way you can do that, I would have been, yeah, you know what, you're right.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: and I would shut all of that down.
0: Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting in our conversation is, you know, I thought we might spend more time because I wanted to give you the space for that to talk about your limitations and how you overcome them. And yet we've spent this whole time talking about all the great things that you would you go for and achieve and like your spirit and your joy. And so to me listening to you and I know this from, you know, as a person, we've known each other for a number of years, but that just seems to be more of your default setting. And that shows to me, yeah, even okay, listening yeah. to you, I know that you have to work on that. Like you just said, that's not something that part of it genetically, you're probably more predisposed to that half glass full, but you obviously do a lot of work to 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 get to that space. So when you're looking now and in the things that you do, I mean, you always surprise me with the amount of things that you take on and all of these wonderful things you get involved in and the dreams that you have, you know, that Things that you have spoken to me three years ago that are now coming to, to pass. Like, so how do you we hear so much about like manifesting and, you know, all this like think positive stuff. And I think we've just been sold a little bit of this happiness. Get to your happy ever after. Get to that end goal. Get to this and get to that. And, you know, why you really, really want to share you with everybody is because what you show me and inspire me is that there are limitations life is not going to be easy all of the time and it can still be absolutely fucking wonderful the rest of the time so what when you're we know when you're obviously going to have bad days and that's normal but that ability to keep envisioning where does how do you do that like where does that come from what do you do you have a process or do you just naturally kind of love to look forward like you talked about this zest for life
1: well I think yeah I think there's a a natural desire want to move forward and there's also um you know it's day in and day out and it's small small little wins small um you know, it, it doesn't happen overnight. And I think that's mm-hmm. people miss seeing, you know, like I, I, you know, and you even said it here that people see me as an inspiration, mm-hmm. but they don't see, you know, that it takes an hour and a half for me to get up in the morning. They don't see that it takes 45 minutes to an hour to go to bed at night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, uh, and this has become my new normal yeah so that um you know is there still envy when I see other people jumping on horseback and you know going out and riding in the fields and you know um, absolutely all of that is still there because I'm human yeah I, I still miss that physically active you know 17 year old girl before my accident that grief will never go away. Yeah. You know, because that, that's trauma that, um, and I loved her. I still yeah. love her. Mm-hmm. And so that, um, recognizing there are some times when, you know, I got to watch a movie where I can just cry. And, and there are some times when things get overwhelming and, you know, I, I've learned for sure to turn for help, to get therapy, to get a coach, to really work with other people, to help support, to reach out for this. Okay. And through them, I also learn other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for me, doing mindful meditation is really helpful yeah. to really slow things down, to be here in the present. Um and you know I've also on and off through the years been on medication for depression yeah. to help keep the edge off yeah Minnesota winters can get really hard. you know talk about Dark night of the soul when it's you know 30 40 below wind chill and it's like I'm not going out and I'm not going to not gonna go to the barn can't see my worst you know yeah. and I can get cabin fever and you know so all of that stuff is, Still there. Yeah. And you know, grief is a she's a powerful emotion and she shows us how much we love. Yeah. And so it's recognizing that she also comes and goes. She's not meant to stay. Mm -hmm. And you can feel like, oh, I've dealt with that. And you come right around the corner and she'll take you out at the knees.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: So it's It is really developing self-kindness, developing uh, grace for those hard and difficult times and not doing it alone. We're not meant to do things alone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for being so raw and honest about that. Because like you said, we've shared so much about the inspiring part and you're saying, but you don't see the background of what goes on. You know, you don't see my day and understand those Limitations that are there that obviously create emotions, the trauma, the grief that stays with you. And I think what you've touched on is so relevant for your life situation and also for other people where they're living with those emotions. And I think what I've taken from talking with you today um, is that balance between the darkness is going to be there and the light is going to be there. They're not always there together you know they're not one's not going to be there forever either one and to have your practices and your your tools and your supports and your needs like you say when you need to take the edge off if you have to you know maybe take an antidepressant or when you're in the winter and then in this in the in the spring you might be able to be with your horse and so do you think that for people and i certainly believe this it's it's and it comes back to what you're saying like what do I want? What's going to make me feel how I need to feel, which is myself? What's going to connect me back to the source of myself in the good times and in those darker times? Because I think when we go through great times and joyful times, um, they feel amazing and we think we can do anything, and they go because again, this is life, you know. And I, I always share like a, a great TED talk I watched years ago about like the scale of happiness and if something really good happens to us it probably stays with us for maybe 48 to 72 hours like the elation of like the new job or you got married or something and then it kind of starts to dissipate but when something negative happens and it could be something minor not even something major that can stay with you for weeks months forever even um so it is that piece of doing what you need in those darker times I think it's really important for us to have an understanding of where we go in those darker times and I think when we're not allowing ourselves to go there we don't know what to do in those moments we either want to avoid them suppress them use drugs alcohol food whatever it is um, or get to those moments where it has just become too much and then at those joyful times what brings us there so do you feel that you would know kind of when you're going into a place that feels a bit darker that you can put the supports in place before you kind of get there. Would you have learned that over the years? And similarly with the joy as well. Yeah, I, I do think that
1: I've learned, you know, kind of my patterns and want to pay attention to. And mm-hmm. I do want to say that, you know, if, as humans, this is a human condition. We have the negativity bias, and, yeah. and the negativity is, the job is to keep us alive. Yeah. And so it, the this function of the body makes us really aware of threat and, and and it is all about survival. And yet we're we're no longer being chased by the saber toothed tiger. And yet the negativity bias can show up in how we talk about work, how we talk about our um, partnership, how we talk about family and friends. And the negativity bias usually shows up and creates the worst case scenario. Hmm. So recognizing that we're hardwired that way we wow. naturally go to that oh yep yeah, you can't can't do that nope that's no way that's going to happen and we need to pause and say wow you know i'm really being the downer here yeah. what if it is possible so neuroplasticity we can we can create new neural pathways around joy around happiness around awe wonder uh, creativity when we seek it out and there's research that shows 30 to 60 seconds of savory so when you see that um, sunset you're mm-hmm. like ah, and it takes your breath away stop take it in let it in yeah. and cultivate that kind of practice mm-hmm. to offset the negativity bias and I think there's like a Five or seven to one type ratio to help us move toward um balance yeah so when you find yourself like constantly going down and constantly naysaying or constantly being negative pause awareness is the first step Mm -hmm. to be like geez you know i you know what's happening here this is This doesn't feel good. And so what would feel better? Those are the small moments where we can cultivate, go for a walk, be with nature, um, call a friend, um, you know, and an empathetic friend. (laughs) Now, give you a bunch of bad advice um, (laughs) because advice does not work. Um, And, you know, but somebody that can give that really empathetic. Like mm-hmm. I hear you, and I see you, and man, that sounds hard, yeah, you know when we can find people like that, it's like, yeah, it is hard, and as soon as we say that, and as soon as it's been acknowledged, it's like a whole weight lifts, yeah,, and you're like, Oof, wow, I've been carrying that for a long time. I don't need to carry it anymore,
0: yeah, and I think when I know like from doing this work myself, um you think you should kind of know how to do these things naturally, you know, that you're not human. So when you work in this area and you're helping people all the time, you know, I would use to put myself into pressure, particularly in the last number of years of like, I should know this. I should be able to get out of this. I shouldn't be feeling this way. Like, what's wrong with me? Um, and actually all that that does is keep you stuck there for so much longer. It is hard to to visit very hard and deep emotions. It's 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 very brave to do that, I think, because it's not easy. And most people don't want to do that. Like, none of us want to feel awful and then feel even more worse when we go down into it you know but we we do need to do that you know and i think it's it's do do you think the landscape is changing a little bit from you talked about the negativity bias that is human how we are made up as humans but we have been living for the last probably 10 15 years in a space of oh think positive and everything'd be great like you touched on that like research you know 30 to set 30 to 60 seconds of Bringing in the sunset, you know, and and how that can make you feel. And I could feel that when you were talking, actually feel that. And what I find is that because the last ten to fifteen years, and even longer, have been selling us this idea of, you know, um, think positive and positive things will happen. We're missing out on these very simplistic things because it is going back to the small steps. It is going back to the the simple pieces of gratitude. And we go, well, sure, like you know, I I just I wrote a blog post about this for my membership today where. Sometimes we 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 will nearly say, I'll do a gratitude list so I will get X, Y, and Z. Like I'm going to exchange my gratitude because it's going to make me feel great and I'm going to be able to like bring in all of this great stuff because this is what we've been taught. We're missing, we're actually missing the real meaning behind those experiences, you know? Um, so do you think the landscape is changing around that a bit more? I feel it's getting a bit more real now. <laughs> yeah, I
1: think that... Um... You know, you're not gonna find happiness in materialism. No. It's just there. You're mm-hmm. gonna get a bump of dopamine. Mm-hmm. It's gonna feel good shop by something and and it's gonna fade. Mm-hmm. It's gonna feel good to you're gonna get a dopamine hit from eating a chocolate bar or cake or and it's gonna fade. And then you're gonna be like, Well, now should I get, you know, extra pounds on my hips? You know, so really understanding what truly brings you joy. You know, and, and gratitude is a great practice and I challenge people to be, what are you grateful for and change it every single day. Yeah. And like with joy, joy and gratitude, what's the smallest denominator? What's the smallest amount of, you know, like sipping a cup of coffee in the morning, like, like that first tip, like, and really savoring it or a hot shower. You know, when the water changes from cold to hot. Yeah. So allowing that to really grow, those are the moments that we need to, I I would say, that have helped me to create balance of the negativity. Yeah. To to find find it in the small things. You know, there's a saying of you know, really being happy with what you have yeah. versus what you want
0: because you know, sometimes so- this is what we're given and we're spending so much time looking for something different and I think something I've learned only over the last number of months and with your help in our conversations is there's so much good in what's here we but you know sometimes when things are difficult we feel you know we're we're doomed, or like it's just not meant to well, be, or we're living this life we're not supposed to live. You know,
1: well, and I think it's something that you said earlier, using the word "should," whenever mm. the word "should" comes in, it's probably somebody else's. Like yeah. I should be this certain size, or I should be um, in this certain type of position at work, or I should have this kind of house, or what those shoulds are usually external forces. Yeah, um, they. And, and so to really examine it, again, without judgment on yourself, but yeah. to stop mm-hmm. and go, why do I want that? Mm-hmm. Is it really, you know, do I want the promotion because I really love the work and I want to do more in that job and I want to give more of me back to society? Or is it because I want more money? And neither yeah. of those are mad. It's just being honest with yourself, mm-hmm. you know, the, and the, you know, the more money, 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 money is not the road to, to happiness, to pure happiness. Yeah. You know, obviously we need our, our societies run on this exchange. So mm-hmm. we need a certain amount to feel safe, to feel, you know, to have food, to have what our, our needs are. Yeah. And beyond that, how much are we chasing that and wanting that to be our source of happiness? Mm-hmm. It's when we get to that, that's the mistake yeah because that's not where it is
0: and I think this year for myself I picked contentment as my word of the year you know being content with what is and being in with what is because when I think there's contentment with what is that's where you start to see like what you're talking about what is really good and to savor those moments and to be able to stop the looking out and the going after and actually just hear yourself you know because when we hear ourselves. Like you you talked about it earlier and I I could nearly feel the energy when you're talking of your spirit is nearly transcending you in the physical body. Like for all of us it's the same.
1: When I think when we can pause and be in that contentment, I think that allows maybe a window to open of, huh? Well what could that be? Yeah. And those are the little glimmers of maybe that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think there's there's something with us as being human that to challenge ourselves. you know mm-hmm. that their um, contentment is awesome, and there's a time and place for that. And there's also a time to not be complacent because those two words are not the same, mm-hmm. Very different, and they can sometimes be maybe used the same. Because I think that humans, when we try something new, when we put ourselves out there, when we are courageous and doing something and we feel really vulnerable, that's a growth edge, you know, and that can, you know, like, again, thinking about what are the limiting beliefs? Is that really true? Can you, you know, do you really want it just because you want it? What maybe, you know, I'm not going to be an Olympian horsewoman. That's not in my cards. But what's my close approximation to that? Yeah. What's gonna bring me happiness, joy in in the journey of that? Mm-hmm. Because it it's not the destination.
0: Yeah, this is the and this is the whole thing. And I and I loved when you talked about contentment and complacement. Um they are very linked. This is why I love our chats, Jennifer, because you always look at it like Jennifer will challenge me all the time when I say things in in our conversations to get you to look at the other side of that. Because you're so right. Like contentment can become complacency because you're like, I'll just be okay with everything that is right now, and I'm just going to stay paused. We don't want to stay paused, and we want to have that growth that you talk about. It is about the the journey it's about the path it's not this end goal like I don't believe until we die like we'll ever really know what the hell all of this was ever about and we think we're far more intelligent than the universe is like we just don't know and we're talking about spirit and we 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 don't know even really what it is like what we feel it is in those moments so obviously all of your work is around um I mean you've done so much and I, I talked about this when I was introducing you and coaching people and bringing joy as well as the emotions and being okay with those emotions. So what brings you joy?
1: So I have a long list of joy and and the interesting, you know, to really practice it. So I love to paint, I love to read, I love to listen to music. I'm a horrible singer, but I love to sing. (laughs) I love to be with my animals. I I love to go to the barn. I love to smell like a horse, you know, when, when my <laughs> husband's like Yes, isn't it? So um I love being in nature. I love, you know, watching the stars. I love to uh, sit by water and and be. I mean mm-hmm. that's just so calming. Um you know, I'm, I'm now starting to play with, um, making some different teas. So I'm, I'm playing with some, you know, different herbs to blend. And, you know, like my creativity is like, oh, and I could do that with that. And, you know, they, yeah. they just, you know, so again, it's the finding the things that you're like, oh, time goes by. I mean, I can, yeah. I can be painting and look up and I'm like two, two hours are gone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Those
1: moments of flow. Like that, that's indications that those are the things that really feed, feed your soul.
0: And so, for sorry, sorry, Ginger, go ahead.
1: No, really raising awareness. Yeah. And even looking at your surroundings, what, in you know, what's her name? I don't even remember, you know, to pick up each article and each thing in your space, does it bring you joy? And if it doesn't, let oh, yeah. it go, yeah. you know, so I think there's a lot of truth to that because I think yeah. that I mean, certainly for me, I can get caught up in the cycle of buying stuff mm-hmm. and then, you know, show up from Amazon. I'm like, I don't even know what's in the box because, yeah, like, you know, I bought that three or four days ago and then I'm open. And I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> do I, you know, and so um, those are my telltale signs that I, you know, Instead of jumping on Facebook and looking at Facebook reels, turn yes. on some music yeah. and sing and move and you know pick up a book and read. Mm-hmm. I always feel better when I choose those type of things. And there's also times when I numb out, you know, oh. and and watch you know Facebook reels for an hour and be like, oh my god, why mm-hmm. did I just do that? That was a waste. Although yeah. there are funny ones in there, and I have to you know. Yeah. There's So, <laughs> and It's about self-kindness. It's not about self-judgment. I'm gonna beat myself up for that. And mm. being really aware of what choices I am making.
0: And I think that's um one thing that I find like, you know, with the women that I've worked with and people I've worked with over the years, is they will be so far removed from one knowing what what joy means to them and what brings them joy and two, not engaging in that, so they feel like it's nearly impossible for them. And then there's other people that have really extremely busy lives as well, you know, that there is little time, so we'd always hear, like, this is how It's Time for Me was born, where I was like, how can I help people to make more time for themselves? And, you know, I discovered over the last few years, you can't, you can't help somebody make the time. So for people who are out of the habit, have never engaged in things that make them feel joyful, or for people who are, you know, very much like, time constrained but even I feel like when you do make the time for the piece of joy you actually get energized and I feel like that joy piece replenishes you you know so would you be sharing any advice of how you could just get started on on bringing these little pieces of joy in I know you mentioned savoring moments which you can do anywhere anytime when these things happen but anything else that you might suggest for them so there's
1: um there's a great movie called About Time. I don't know if you've, you've seen No, that? I've never seen it, no. So it, so it, it, I don't want to give the whole movie away, but the the um, main character in it, his dad says the men in our family could travel back in time. And so he has this life that he can go back in time and be able to change things or, you know, da, da, da. and the big message that he ends with, and I, I don't want to give too much away mm-hmm. because it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Is to live each moment as it comes. This yeah. moment now, um, because um, this is it. This is all we have, and yeah. and that's very cliche. We all, you know, like it's, it's, and it's so true. Yeah. Because I, when I, when I get out too far in front, I start to worry, and that's where anxiety creeps in. If I, if I live in the past, then I get okay. into more of that depressive. That ruminating, the, the, uh, you know, the, uh, of, mm-hmm. I should have said that. And so, again, this is where emotions are so helpful because if I am ruminating, pause and be like, what is that? Do I need to act on it? Do I need to clear something up? And if I don't, let it go. Yeah. You know, and have those conversations with yourself. Um, and then that challenge of, Nobody can tell you what's going to bring you joy. You have to find it yourself. That's half the battle. I mean, yeah. I have a client now that she, she's starting um, support spec writing lessons. She's starting to take a pottery class. You know, she's just because she's been dealing with depression, yeah. And so yeah. she's like, "I gotta get out. I gotta try new things. I gotta, yeah. yeah. You know." And I think One you touch.
0: I think you touched on something really good there where if you go too far right in front of yourself, so you make the list of all the things you're going to do that are going to make you feel good. So on Monday, I'm going to get up and I'm going to start my new diet and I'm going to join this and I'm going to get out at five o'clock for a run and blah, blah, blah. Monday comes and goes and none of that ever happens. and Then you feel worse about yourself. So instead of making all of these plans, you can have like you were talking about earlier on, what would it be like, or could it be like if I do these things? And then in the day, you might say, okay, actually, you know, I'm going to sign up for that today because it feels right in that moment. So you think more to take this pressure off.
1: Yeah,
0: and I think, Mm.
1: again, small steps, setting yourself up for success. Yeah, You know, if you make the decision, okay, I'm going to to work out and start working out again, you know, which uh, who hasn't had that Mm -hmm. again Mm -hmm. kind of commitment. Mm -hmm. You know, doing it in such a way that, again, it's helpful that mm-hmm. you're going to feel good, that your goal might be, I'm going to do it once this week. Yeah. So, and and then maybe you'll do it three times. You're like, hey, look at me. Mm-hmm. Versus I'm going to do it every day and for an hour. And that for sure is setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. So again, um, the small in, wins of setting yourself up for some sort of... A, achievements, some sort of success, and you get to be the one who decides what that measurement is. And this is where sharing this with a trusted friend so they can be an ally, they can help you stay accountable. And they're not, I mean, you and I have been accountability partners for a long time. Mm -hmm. And it's a safe place where we can come and say, you know what, I didn't, I chose not to do that. And here's what I did do. And there's no um, beating each other up. There's no, it's more like, well, tell me more. Tell me about that shift. What happened for you?
0: And there's always something behind that. There's always something and I didn't want to do it or I've taken it a different way. There's always something behind it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And we always have the right to change our mind too. Mm -hmm. It can sometimes be so clear. I don't want to do that anymore or I'm going to go do this. And then we, even start to do it and we find out i don't really like that We it yeah. change your mind yeah especially absolutely. with women we always reserve the right to change
0: our minds absolutely that that seems like a wonderful note to finish um this podcast thank you so much jennifer for joining i know that the people listening to this will get so much from it and I will be putting all of your details on the website um and the link will be under this podcast so that people can go and look up everything that you've done I mean you're inc- incredible like all of the things that you have done and studied and re- you know your research and everything because you talk about this from um the scientific part you're talking about everything from an from an emotional space from a spiritual space and obviously from that joyful space so you're bringing in real holistic view of who we are as human beings which I think is so important um so thank you for being so open and you know so raw with the and honest about your own struggles and how you move through them and um it was just such a pleasure to have you talk to me today well
1: thank you Caroline it's awesome to be here with you always
0: Thank you so much for tuning in and listening today. If you found Jennifer's story and work inspiring and would like to share it with someone that it might be helpful to, please do. And if you'd like to learn more about Jennifer's work, you can come over and visit it'stimeforme.ie and in the podcast section you will find all of our details. I also have monthly support available in the monthly It's Time For Me subscription and you can find out those details on the website too. Have a lovely day and chat to you all very soon.